Welcome to this week's edition of Ocean Allison, where I bring you the best in ocean science, education, and conservation through conversations with people who are creating positive change for the ocean. Ocean advocate is Crystal Ambrose. Crystal is an environmental scientist, conservationist, and activist, sparking a plastic pollution revolution with her nonprofit Bahamas Plastic Movement. Hi, Crystal. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, very excited to have you on the show today to talk with you all about the work that you're doing for the Bahamas, your home country. For listeners, to give you guys a little bit of background on how Crystal is joining us today on the podcast. Um, you guys might remember Danny Washington from Big Blue and You was on the show a few weeks ago, and Danny and Crystal are friends and have worked together on some plastic pollution initiatives, and so Danny put me in touch with Crystal, and here we are. So I want to start out by asking you, Crystal, what got you started on this track in the world of ocean science and activism? Because... The reason I ask that, it might seem silly to ask someone from the Bahamas, how did you get involved in anything relating to the ocean? But from my experience, I've actually spent a lot of time in the Bahamas, in a different part of the Bahamas than you're from, the Abacos. But my experience in the Bahamas is that while the people of the Bahamas are very connected to the ocean, I mean, you're living on islands and much of the economy and culture revolves around the ocean, many of the young people that I know are not necessarily getting into ocean science or ocean conservation. So I guess I'm wondering what got you started on that track specifically. Right. Um, And that's a funny thing, you know, growing up on an island, you're surrounded by water. But a fun fact, a lot of locals in the Bahamas don't know how to swim. And there is a disconnect between the people and the ocean and some aspects of the environment at home. But for me, growing up, I was always just fascinated with the water. And my dad would take us to the beach every day, even though he would trick us into getting into the water. I always was just allured by the ocean and what was happening beneath the surface of the sea. The Bahamas is so beautiful and I've got an opportunity to travel to so many different islands. And I'm from Nassau originally, but I haven't lived there for the last seven years. And most of my time has been spent on a Lutheran on different islands. And it's just so amazing. Like if we could take ourselves out of the city, because Nassau is like little America, you know, the Bahamas were very influenced by the U.S. But putting yourself in the rural environment of a family island like Abaco, like Eleuthera, like the Berry Islands, it forces you to connect with nature. And when I moved from Nassau to Lee Stalking Island, it was this tiny key. You walk around for 15 minutes and you back where you started. There's only 10 of us on the island. And my biggest fear was, oh my gosh, I can't watch TV. There won't be any cable. And I haven't, I haven't owned a television <laughs> since. And it was for me living there was when I realized how much I really took my country for granted like waking up and being on the ocean every day and realizing that it's not about the material things, but all this natural beauty that was surrounding me. It it really changed my life, like getting out of the city and, you know, stepping outside of my comfort zone. So I always had a vision of being a marine biologist. And once I got in high school, 
I started to pursue it by taking on internships and I started to shadow a few dive workshops and dive shops in the Bahamas and it just started from there. So I've been doing this for the last 10 years, studying marine biology that is, but for the last four years it's been focused on plastic pollution. And so at some point after you graduated from high school, you started working at the Cape Eleuthera Institute. Some of our listeners might know that as the Island School. The Island School is kind of part of Cape Eleuthera Institute. And you were working there as a research associate. And that's actually when you started kind of the beginnings of what was to become the Bahamas Plastic Movement. Can you talk about your time working at the Cape Eleuthera Institute and how that kind of spawned Bahamas Plastic Movement, your nonprofit? Yeah, so Cape Eleuthera Institute was later in my career. When I finished high school, I actually started working at a dive shop. Um, so within six months, I um, went from a novice snorkeler to a dive master. And from there, I started working at the Atlantis Aquarium as an aquarist. And I really got acquainted with marine life and learning all about husbandry. And then I left Atlantis after working there for about two and a half years and I went to be a serial interner. And from there, I moved to Exuma, a small little island in the Exuma chain called Lee Stalking Island, to intern at the Perry Institute for Marine Science. And that's where I got exposed to a lot of scientific research, um, learning scientific methods, and working with renowned scientists. And then from there, I got an internship at the Cape Luther Institute. This was in 2009. So I interned there for about six months doing shark ecology research. And then I ended up going to college. And it wasn't until 2012 that I came back to work at the Cape Luther Institute as a research associate. And initially, when I started there, I was doing aquaponics and aquaculture because that's what my degree was in at the time. And then I switched to studying plastic pollution and fisheries. And in 2012, Marcus Erickson from the Five Gyres organization came to the Cape Luther Institute and he gave this amazing talk about plastic pollution and the effect that plastic was having on, on our oceans. And I was intrigued. And if you've ever heard Marcus speak, he has this power of captivating you. And he started talking about this trip um, that was sailing from the Marshall Islands in the South Pacific all the way up to Japan to study the Western Garbage Patch. And this was about a year after the Japanese tsunami. Um, so they wanted to see how far the debris from that disaster was getting into the, the Pacific. And I was like, I have to go on this trip. I really want to go. The trip was about $10,000 and I could not afford it. Um, so essentially I ended up writing a proposal to try to get funds for the trip, but it caught nothing but dust. I got no responses, no support. And I was just like, you know what? It's not meant to be. I'll just continue doing my fisheries research. And literally a week before the trip set sail, I get an email from Marcus saying that someone just dropped out. There's a spot on the boat for yours. All you have to do is meet us in the Marshall Islands. So in a week, I ended up raising enough money to buy a plane ticket. And before I know it, I was living on a boat with 14 strangers uh, to study garbage in the ocean. <laughs> so that's basically how it started for me. And um, there was something really powerful about being on this boat. We were on the boat for 20 days in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and we were surrounded by nothing but ocean, wildlife, and garbage. And my first initial reaction was, oh, humans are so nasty. 
you know, and then I had to pinch myself. And I was like, wait, Crystal, you're human. You know, at the time, I didn't know anyone who used more plastic than I did. You know, in my apartment, I had bags of plastic bags under my uh, kitchen sink. I had a drawer full of plastic straws. A lot of food that I got was still coming in styrofoam. So I was a huge part of the problem. Um, so when I worked at the Cape Luther Institute, I started what was called the Plastic Beach Project. And that was a citizen science research initiative that was geared towards studying plastic concentrations on beaches in South Eleuthera. And from that, I kept calling it this movement. I kept saying, oh, this is Bahamas Plastic Movement. And I kept thinking about it. And one November night on my couch, I was like, I'm going to start a nonprofit. <laughs> and, and that's how it started. So I want to actually talk about a few of the Bahamas Plastic Movement initiatives, what you guys are really doing in the Bahamas. So you mentioned the Plastic Beach Project, which you started at Cape Luther Institute, and that's really a citizen science research-based aspect of Bahamas Plastic Movement. Um, I want to talk a little bit about kind of the education that Bahamas Plastic Movement does. I know you guys do some summer camps and you do a lot of work with schools. What are some of the most effective events or programs that you feel Bahamas Plastic Movement is putting on that's really creating this movement in the Bahamas in regards to plastic pollution? I think that would have to be our summer camp program. For the last three years, we've hosted a youth program called the Plastic Pollution Education and Ocean Conservation Summer Camp. <laughs> Very long title. So we just call it Plastic Camp for short. And Plastic Camp, it's a five-day intensive program that cultivates youth activists, right? And it's bridging the gap between community and science and not pointing the finger at students and saying, look, you need to stop using plastic but it's getting them to realize that we live in a country, we live in an island where plastic is a part of our culture. And this is what this thing that's a part of our culture, a part of a global culture is causing our environment. And students get connected through scientific research. We have them go out into the ocean and they do trawl samples looking for microplastic. They do gut content analysis on mahi-mahi sport fish. They um, dissect albatross boluses and they see the firsthand effects that plastic actually has on organisms. Um, we go to the beaches and instead of just, you know, doing a regular beach cleanup, we call it a beach scavenger hunt where we actually go out and we find these specific pieces of plastic that washes in from different locations. So they're seeing that not only does the waste that we generate here affect us, but it's this waste, this global product. What we produce in the Bahamas affects someone in Bermuda. Um, what's done in China, what's done in Africa, washes up on beaches in the Bahamas. So they get to see that firsthand. They get to learn how to actually use this product and upcycle it. So the plastic that we get on the beach, they convert it into jewelry, and trash in fashion. So Capri Sun, chip bags, we actually have our art and activism unit that's taught by students, 14, 15 year old girls, Destiny Outen, Tyron Culmer, where they show the students how to make jewelry from the plastic we get on the beach, how to make clothing and backpacks and shopping bags using the Capri Suns that they use every day that they would have for lunch, you know? Um, so they get to see it that way and they learn how to communicate this issue in an effective way and how to incorporate Bahamian culture into that message. 
Um, so at the end of our camp program, the students put on a camp variety show and trash and show where they actually create skits and songs and music videos um, about this issue. And they incorporate Bahamian styles of music like Junkanoo, uh, Rake and Scrape, and they use that to effectively communicate to their community what the problem is and how we can come together to help uh, limit plastic pollution, help stop it. So that's our, our most impactful program. And you see that in the attitude of the students. You see that in the attitudes of the community members where our camp is held. Like we would go to the store and the store owners would tell us, you know, Sarah came to the store today and she had a bag. She never forgets her bag. Joey came to the store and he refused to use a plastic straw. At one point at, at camp this year, there was a powerful moment where we had the lunches catered and the students were supposed to bring um, their reusable utensils. But we were running out of time. A lot of students forgot to bring their utensils. And there was a crucial moment where we had to consider bringing in disposable cutlery. And to the surprise of the entire staff, when we told the students, we were like, look, this is a lesson in poor planning. We may have to get plastic forks. And the entire camp was like, no, no, we can't do it. We'll eat with our hands. We don't need it. And the foil that the food came wrapped in, the students took the foil and they morphed it into spoons and they ate with that. And I'm like, whoa. Wow. And it's just so amazing. Like, you don't realize how powerful the program is. And for me, it's always like, oh, I have to get the message out there. But seeing the, the students demonstrate their knowledge back to me, it's such a powerful thing. That's absolutely amazing to hear that you are inspiring so much of the Bahamian youth and you're seeing real effects, real effects of, you know, them becoming activists and them becoming really concerned and excited about how they they can make a difference. So because of all the amazing work that you're doing with Bahamas Plastic Movement from, you know, the Plastic Beach Project, science initiatives to the summer camp initiative like you just talked about, in 2014, you actually got awarded the Environmental Youth Leader Award by the Bahamian government, which, I mean, I can only imagine that was such an honor to be given that award from the government. And you got to you got a chance to actually meet with the governor general of the Bahamas. You sat down with him in person and, and spoke with him and you were being recognized by his government. What was it like interacting with you know, you could say one of the most influential people in the Bahamas and having him recognize and appreciate what you're doing. It was an amazing experience and it was very humbling, to be honest, you know, to, to be in his presence and, and to have conversations about the environment and to have him share his recollections of his childhood and growing up, growing up in a time where plastic wasn't around and he could remember going to the beach and just picking up seashells versus plastic bottle caps, you know, so he really uh, stretched the importance of the work that not only I'm doing, but other environmental leaders throughout the country, and and really reassured me that the work that I'm doing is important, and that I shouldn't give up no matter how hard it gets, so to get that that recognition, yes, you know, from him, it, it, it really meant a lot. And so kind of in talking about the 
Bahamian government, um, that you've gotten to personally interact with them. You've been recognized them for your work with plastic pollution. And so you mentioned earlier that you have a background in fisheries management. That's what you did a lot of your internships on. And that's what you started working at the Cape Eleuther Institute um, in regards to was fisheries. So in the media, just in the last week and few days, and, and I've been hearing about this from my experiences in the Bahamas over the last few years even, that China and the Bahamian government are making a very big deal in terms of allowing China to have access to the Bahamas agriculture and fisheries and things like that. What are your concerns as a Bahamian citizen and in addition as a Bahamian with a lot of knowledge on the ocean and the animals in it surrounding the Bahamas? What are your concerns in in this kind of impending deal? My concern is that the government continues to put profit over the planet, you know, economy over the environment, not realizing that they work hand in hand and that the ecosystems that are in the Bahamas are, it's for Bahamians, you know, and there are a lot of Bahamian fishermen and a lot of Bahamian farmers. So why not give the Bahamian people the tools to help us cultivate our land and help us feed ourselves to reduce the amount of food that we import into this country? Show us how to feed ourselves rather than showing us how to feed another country and exporting all of our natural resources to China, <laughs> you know, um, and, and that's that's my biggest thing. Fisheries in the Bahamas are already at stake. And to bring in another entity, a foreign entity at that, to fish it out, it just doesn't sit well with me. And I don't think it's a good move. I don't think it's a move that considered Bahamian health, Bahamian people, the Bahamian economy. I I just think it's a terrible move. So is the deal already officially done with China or has it not actually been put into place yet? Um, From my understanding, I'm seeing two sides of this story. One that's saying the deal has already been signed. Uh, and that was reported in by one news entity and another one saying that this was all conversational, that nothing has been signed yet, that we have nothing to worry about. So I am not certain if the deal has been signed or not. Okay, so it's kind of a gray area. Are there any entities in the Bahamas, any groups or protests or petitions going around that are trying to stop this deal from happening if it hasn't already? Yeah, I know the Bahamas Reef Environment and Education Foundation, Brief, and also the Bahamas National Trust. Um, They just released an article this week where they are against this movement and where they have stated that they advised during a conference that occurred uh, last month that this was not a good move for the country environmentally. So there are a lot of people against it. Well, if the deal's been done or it hasn't, I hope that the situation can be dealt with as best as possible. And I I feel better knowing that people like you are, are there in the Bahamas and people you know like the Bahamas National Trust to try to help the Bahamas natural resources as much as possible. I grew up going there a lot and we have friends that live there and Bahamas is so special to me. I really... A lot of my most amazing memories underwater are in the Abacos. So, you know, I'm I'm happy to have someone from the Bahamas on the podcast, someone that's really doing a lot of good things for the Bahamas. And so 
So you have your associate's degree in fisheries management, but currently you are attending Gannon University in Pennsylvania to get your bachelor's of science and your master's of science in environmental science. A lot of science. Um, What was the motivation for you to take that next step and get a bachelor's degree and get a master's degree in this field? How do you think it's really going to elevate your potential to create change for the Bahamas and the global planet? That's a really good question. The drive was knowing that I wanted to do something, but knowing that I didn't have the tools that I needed to make a change. And sometimes that's just bettering yourself and and learning more. So that was my, my drive for coming back to school was making sure that I know all that I can, that I am equipped with the proper tools, which is, you know, learning more about policy, learning how to effectively carry out research, knowing how education really works, you know, Um, not imposing my views on people, but truly educating someone. So I wanted my, I was yearning for more knowledge and I know that I couldn't effective, be an effective leader if I didn't have knowledge behind me. So that was definitely the drive for going back to school. Well, it's definitely amazing that you're making such a large commitment to not only better yourself, but to really help yourself to make a bigger impact on the Bahamas and the global ocean world. That's that's definitely impressive. So I guess my last question for you, Crystal, is with all the initiative that you're taking to help the Bahamas and to help beautify its beaches and protect the wildlife that lives there and and the people really in in turn what is your kind of ultimate hope for the bahamas what is your vision for the future of the bahamas and the state of its environment i think my ultimate vision would be for us as bahamians to realize that the power of the people is greater than the people in power and realizing that we have the power to create change Um, whether that be socially or environmentally, but getting us to connect with our land and realizing that the beauty of the country goes beyond tourism, which tourism is amazing. I love the fact that so many people can get to visit and share in the beauty of the country, but getting us to connect to the soil and growing our own food and enjoying our oceans and not being afraid to explore in the sea and really realizing what a treasure our marine resources bring to us just creating this engaged public that is working together to conserve and preserve the natural beauty of this country. Well, I definitely support you in that mission. I appreciate that you're on the front lines really trying to better yourself and better the Bahamas and bring people together for the health of the environment and the ocean there. So um, for listeners, If you guys have been inspired by what Crystal has said today on the podcast and what she's doing with her nonprofit Bahamas Plastic Movement and all the other things that she's got going on, you guys can connect with Crystal via social media. I'll be linking to Bahamas Plastic Movement, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram when I post this podcast episode so you guys can find Um, her via Bahamas Plastic Movement there and then I will also link to the Bahamas Plastic Movement website that's just bahamasplasticmovement.org and also their YouTube channel so you guys can check out via their website and the videos that they've produced what impact they're really making on the people of the Bahamas and 
how Crystal is instrumental in doing that. So, Crystal, I want to thank you so much for all the positive change that you're creating for the ocean and also for being on the show today. I really enjoyed talking with you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great time, and I'm glad I got to share a little bit more about the work that I do and my country, you know, so thanks for that platform. You just heard Crystal Ambrose, environmental scientist, conservationist, and activist sparking a plastic pollution revolution with her nonprofit Bahamas Plastic Movement. To learn more about the topics discussed in this podcast, visit my website at alisonrandolph.com and tune into next week's episode to hear another conversation between me and someone creating positive change for the ocean.